Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. Welcome to Private Views, a podcast by Ask Us for Ideas that looks to shine a light on the exceptional individuals we work with, agency owners and brand founders. Our focus this week is on the creative side. We're curious about what makes the agencies we represent so unique. Some as small as two people, others who've racked up a number of international outposts in a matter of years. They all tackle enormous challenges, helping their clients cut through crowded markets, resuscitate dying businesses, or bringing new energy to the mundane. In this episode, we meet Margie and Amuna, the incredible duo behind Nihilo. On top of their stellar work, there's a lot that makes Nihilo stand out. First, few agencies have such an equal balance between visual design and what Nihilo calls verbal, something that frees them to propose solutions that are minimally designed and instead driven by words. Second is their life experience. Both from the Midwest United States and now Tel Aviv, they are both observant Orthodox Jews and each mothers of three. I've been out of the States for 10 years and I see like getting a some distance and perspective on American culture has been so revelatory. In the design industry, their point of view is rare in so many ways. And as an agency, they have learned to take ownership of this. Ultimately, they have come to view some of the restrictions on their time, many religious holidays, for example, as a litmus test for how serious clients are in working with them. Our producer, David Michel, spoke to Margie and Amuna about the balance they find in Nihilo, both as creative partners and between work and life. Something that maybe differentiates you as an agency is uh, an embrace of intuition, as I guess all creatives Mm do, but where there's a kind of pressure on many agencies to uh, really start to measure impact or do data analysis or whatever, my impression is that you are, are very kind of like confidently instead focus on your intuition. Is that a f- kind of fair assessment? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny because like I'm a hundred percent, but we were also kind of forced into that corner mm. because it was like, we, we didn't fit into any of the traditional models, both in the way that we could work and in the work that we produced and, in like the clients who are willing to work with us to kind of produce those typical measurable outcomes. So we're just like, screw this. We're just doing what feels right. And we've kind of create like just made stuff up from day one. And we're still doing that just along with like our commercial work, just throwing out random poetry projects because that's what, that's what feels right to us. And that's um, honestly, that's, what's fun. Yes. Yeah. I think that fun is important. I think that's very interesting. I, I, I just like as a personal anecdote, I just kind of started a, a, a personal project, which is like supported by um, by kind of slightly journalistic writing. Um, and I, I think I was like really struggling against just doing it totally my own way, blindly, uh, just leaning into my own tone of voice when I like write and have fun with it. Um, and as soon as yeah. I started doing that, in fact, it was like people started like complimenting me on it, paying attention to it, sharing it with other people. The point being like that I think there is a power if you just do things that feel right to you, that feel fun and joyful. And it's 
you're not trying to necessarily make stuff yeah. up. So is that kind of how you, you you're, you're you're leading your practice? I would say I would say yes, but within it really depends. Like yes, we make stuff up, but we're not just like making <laughs> stuff up out of thin air. That's not relevant. I think something like we like to say that we're really we get very focused on subject matter, and we really dive very deep into whatever we're working on. And we do only take a very small amount of projects on at one time, not just because of capacity, we could hire more people and take on more projects, but also because we want to have that full capacity for intuition to be available to us to even um, be able to produce the work at the level we want to produce it at. And if our attention is too diffused, then it really becomes difficult to do that. So I think we really submerse ourselves in like the world of whatever we're doing. Mm. And I think that that um, depth of understanding also allows us to feel confident using our intuition because we're, mm. we're aware that it's aligned with whatever the subject matter it is and whatever we're doing because we're so immersed in it. And mm-hmm. we love to be immersed in things. I mean, it's just, it's so fun and it's so interesting. And to be able to use creativity to solve these business problems is just like we just love it it's so much fun (laughs) yeah we have this line we have this line in our deck um about a few things that we're not and one of them is funny because we're (laughs) we're just like we just gotta own up even though you know in conversation conversationally we might be i like to think i'm very funny but in terms of our work we just had to own up to the fact of we take our work very very seriously and that's kind of the restraint that allows us to just trust the gut because like we put in the thought, we put in the effort, we study best practice, blah, blah, blah. We study form and, and then, and then within those restraints, we're able to just trust that, like, let the ideas flow. And that's also, I think the benefit of being self-taught in general, which is like, you really can't depend on somebody else teaching it to you, you kind of have to figure out what intuitively makes sense and what is just logical and what what you need in order to make to get the results that you're looking for. So you're you end up, you know, you might be putting in the same steps as a different agency or as a different creative person following studied practice, but you, you come out with something that's very much more aligned with like gut and nuance and intuition, I think. Mm-hmm which is what we aim for doing like those side creative projects, even though it doesn't necessarily take up like a huge part of our time, but we force the, us, we force ourselves to do those because we don't want to be an agency that's just sourcing all of our inspiration from other agencies. We actually, we talk about this quite frequently where when we're researching for a brand, we don't want to only just look at other brands or other companies in that space. We want to take a step back and just think about the world at large. Like how can we, connect this on a human level. And that may have nothing to do with what's commercially out there. So we're constantly trying to find ways to bring like a more universal sense of inspiration into the specific work we do. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to ask about your partnership um, because it very conveniently design and language is kind of how this is divided. I think a lot of people there seems to be a lot of people that like want to set out on their own or like leave agency life. And, and though you, you, you two haven't uh, done the agency thing, the big agency thing. 
Um, I think a lot of people are, are, are kind of like looking at this type of setup, like a couple of, uh, of collaborators, like doing, doing things their own way, like leaning into their own methods and, and ideas about how to work and how to produce work. Um, how did you guys, how did you two kind of uh, establish that working relationship? Or how did you balance it out? Or like, what so were the, what were the, you know, like, what were the wrinkles that kind of ironed up? Because I, I guess I'm, I'm asking this question because it just seems like you two are so connected and really on the same page about like, about what, what your work life and your contributions kind of mean. So I'm, I'm wondering how you got to that place. Okay, I'm starting because I can't hold myself back. But I mean, the first thing is we're equally equally crazy <laughs> and but like i could never partner with somebody who wasn't as committed or ambitious or you know psychotically obsessed with the work that they do and in that way we can trust each other like 100% that we both care as much as the other person and then like there for you know, I'll talk about my experience, which is from my end, finding Margie and finding this person who approached craft the same way I did, but it, from such a different angle, which is, you know, words versus pictures was so exciting. And even on the most superficial level, like once we launched, I had so many designers come up to me and be like, oh my God, like this is the missing part of all of our work. And mm. You know, it's so it's not the same thing as like working with a copywriter and just seeing like the the mediums come front and center and, and just opening up this whole new way to look at the work that we do, which is we all have different mediums and like expertise to bring to the table and which one is appropriate where and they're all at equal level. Um, and then there's like just like the natural chemistry thing, which is like once you find that relationship, it's very rare, I think, to be able to find a partner and trust a partner and you, you, we realized pretty soon, like, we, we got to jump on this because there was nobody else I trusted as much with my work and, you know, critiquing my work. And there was nobody else's work I respected as much as my own as Margie's. And we also couldn't pair up with somebody in the same field because then we'd get too competitive with each other. So we can, <laughs> there's room <laughs> for us both to be the best. <laughs> That sounds so horrible. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, like, I think the chemistry part's so important and not just because we have to get along well, but we have to be able to really align around a creative vision. And I think that's something that sometimes people don't understand. They think, oh, well, you do the writing and she does the design. And that's not really how it works on like a practical level. Like it may be that the actual drafting of the writing and the designs are completed by Amuna technically, but we very much focus pretty much everything we do from this conceptual standpoint. And we come together to come up with this world that we're going to build out in different ways. And we think of, you know, how can we express this world from all these different angles? And we happen to have these two tools and we'd like to use more tools as well. And I think having someone that for me, I can share my world with is just like completely changed my life. Like I, the thought of having to go be freelance again is the worst possible thought I could imagine <laughs> just because it's so lonely and 
the work is so like the effect of the work is so much more limited than when you have a fuller toolkit at your disposal. And beyond that, like, it's just very rare and eerie how aligned our lives are. Like we have three kids nearly the same age and our husbands get along and we come from this similar kind of religious background, but have a very different take on things. And I have never, not met anybody else in the world who could understand all those different sides of me. And so to have such an intimate relationship, like a business partner, um, be able to understand who you are as like a full person, I think is, we're really, really lucky we have that because we recognize it's a rare thing. And Mm. I think that really contributes. We have to work on it. I mean, we have to definitely be really honest with each other and we've had to work a lot on our communication and that's been a process. And I think we've gotten really far which is something to be proud of. Yeah, it's like any relationship. I mean, I I feel like within the coming years, there's just going to be a new field of business therapists, <laughs> relationship managers. I know, I know friend therapy is a thing now, so. Really? Okay, yeah. yeah. So this is like, we'll replace HR departments with exactly <laughs> right. professional therapists. Um, yeah. yeah, I wonder if that... You know, the the kind of centrality of that, like chemistry, is that something that you then expect or seek in your clients as well? Is that is that kind of an... Hard yes. Okay. <laughs> Hard yes. Like it's almost, I would say, you know, we obviously have our criteria or our goals of what type of clients and what type of industries we want to be working with. But ultimately, I would say like 90% of the decision making of whether or not we'll work with a client is that chemistry and trust. And that means we'll end up working on kind of a diverse, different scopes of projects, because if if it's not even our typical scope, but we really align with the founder and there's a lot of trust there and they understand what we do and they kind of love the dynamic between us two and how we bounce ideas off each other, then that's worth everything and we'll go for the relationship. Um, and, it's, and it goes the opposite way as well, which is, you know, we've had these kind of perfect looking briefs on paper, but then when we talk to the clients, like there's just, they don't really get it. They don't get us, which is fine. Everybody has their own, you know, chemistry is a thing for a reason, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's definitely a component and how we choose the clients we take on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're, you're both based in Israel, but you mentioned to me before, most of your clients are in the U.S., and I wanted yeah. to just hear about that, kind of what that, what, <laughs> why you feel that is or, or what maybe you, <sighs> why you appeal in the U.S. maybe more than you appeal in Israel or, or if, if that's just where the business is. For, Ooh, that's a juicy, it's, it's a juicy really good question. question. I think like there's a lot there to unpack. Um, we often say, and I'll just be honest about this, that we just don't feel like we really have a place here in Israel or even that the industry here appreciates what we do. Um, there's a very strong focus on tech here. It's also a very, I don't know, it's a more of a, I would say a little bit more of a chauvinistic culture. And because in Israel, there's so many tensions between different communities. So if people see us and they identify us as two women who are religious, it's so hard to really then think that we actually know what we're doing because there's just all these stereotypes and preconceived boundaries in our society that is very tense. Um, And sometimes we feel like that gets in the way and that, you know, the clients here just 
they're not looking for what we have to offer beyond that. They're looking for something maybe more, I don't know, within like a certain style or that's more sort of like startup um, tech. And we just haven't had a lot of success, to be honest. There's been a few Israeli companies we've worked with and it's been great, but we found that people who have a little more distance from us don't see our identity as as much of a thing. Like they just can put it aside and not really consider it so heavily. And I think that makes it a little easier for the focus just to be on the work and the relationship. And um, it's just, yeah, it's a little smoother and we just don't feel like we have to try so hard. Our existence is somewhat threatening mm. to some people, um, which is a loaded conversation and then on top of that it's just that the like margie said the primary industry here is very tech heavy mvp startup not craft oriented and our work is very very craft oriented and we get a lot of respect a lot more we get a lot more respect from the people who can just see us from afar for the work that we produce and not for the people that we are. And I also like, like this because we are in Israel, um, even the clients we work with in the U S or the UK, like for practical reasons, there are a lot more barriers to entry. It's just, it's slightly more impractical if we're working with a product, you know, photographing that product, you have to ship it to us and all of those little things, which means that ultimately when a client does choose to work with us, it's because they really, really appreciate us and get us and not because we're the convenient option because we're not for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that for some reason, this idea that in fact, if, you know, it's a good uh, kind of stress test or something for the chemistry exactly. or whatever is that if they're willing yeah. to jump these hurdles to work with you, then there's probably something there that that is a deeper connection or a right fit. or Yeah. I was just going to say with one of our like most recent clients, we're meeting with them often. So typically we're the night calls, but we disagreed with them that half the time we'll do the night calls and half the time they'll do the night calls. And that feels very bonding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that you know, we, we've kind of like spoken uh, directly and indirectly about like identity and also your kind of um, stage in life and how the, this kind of has directed your work, which I think is really interesting just you know, as um, people with kids, young kids that you obviously have to care for, you observe the Sabbath, you, you know, you have these ways that, that are kind of like hard and fast for you to um, to kind of like separate work to to contain it um, within some, some time frame. Even I'm sure your mind is thinking about it other times. But I guess I'm, I'm curious, like how you feel like that influences your work. Do you feel like those, those parameters are like good for your focus and good for your creativity, or is that something you're working around or? I think that for both of us, our work has always been a bit of a refuge from the rest of our lives, which we love, but it's a lot that we um, deal with in terms of raising three children and living in sort of this kind of type of society that has its own set of communal norms and expectations, which can feel stifling at times. Um, so I think we've always taken our work that much more personally, and it's been that much more important to us because it's not just, you know, work and turn it off. It's almost like 
in a way, sometimes it feels like this is like my real self. And then my day to day of being lost in these like mundane tasks is just like this thing I have to do. Mm. Um, which sounds really bad because it's not that I really, (laughs) it's not that we really like feel that way about our kids, but it's so taxing and, and it's so like, it's taking from us. Like we're giving, 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 but when we can be creative and tap that side of ourselves, like we're getting, even though it's work. So Mm -hmm. that is like a lifeline for us in a way. Um, but on the other hand, there are a lot of restraints like we have a thousand holidays and we do observe the sabbath and we have kids and i think that's where sort of our brutal honesty with ourselves comes into play because if we try to take on more than we can handle with our lifestyle we will suffer and the work will suffer and that's hard for us sometimes to put up those boundaries because we want to say like yes like just give it to me Mm -hmm. um yeah, it's forced us to focus, I think, um, a lot faster than we would have. I know we touched on this a bit when we spoke last time, David, but it's just like, it's a matter of, we, we really can't do everything. We don't have enough hours. We really can't take on all the projects we want to take on in a dream world. So we have to focus very clearly on the ones we do want to take. And then even, I mean, even I was bitter for a long time. I'll just come out and say that. Um, I think myself more than Margie, I felt like I um, didn't have this whole world and culture and agency experience. And and even when I tried to, you know, the few agencies here, I think I almost got a very senior position in one. Mm-hmm. And then they found out I was pregnant and I just didn't get that job. And I was, I have no idea what it is, but it do, it does seem like, these circum the circumstances of our life had made the path very narrow for us Mm -hmm. but that's also been kind of the best reward because it was very clear what our option was and the only option was to do it on our own um, and do it very very well and we had so much built in you know things to prove and we are proving them to ourselves and to the world at large, because that matters to me anyways. And we're, we're, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think definitely like, yeah, it's fast tracked. If anything, it, it, one may think it would slow us down, but it's kind of fast tracked our growth because we've had to be so hyper intentional and uh, there's no room for air really if our lifestyles. Yeah. And then there's this other part of it, which is people are quite interested in it. It's very rare. And when sometimes we put out stuff about our work and our process and the typical design agency stuff, and people will say, like, no, like, tell us about about your lives. Like, what's it like (laughs) where you live? You know, what's, what's, what are your neighbors like? Like, I'm like, who cares? Like, how do you do this with three kids? And like, that's all the part we're not thinking about, but it's, but, but it's also very special because all of a sudden this thing that can feel like a burden to us is also part of the gift and also gets to be part of the story. And that's always been a very interesting line for us to, to toggle, which is we never, we, we were always very strong about this idea of the, of the work comes first. Like don't pay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who we are. Yeah. It's about the work. It's about producing the best work. Um, 
And I think we're slowly coming to terms with the fact that, A, you can never really separate yourself from the work, and B, it's okay if who we are means something to other people. We can we can own that. Yeah, I'm curious if for you um, or for your clients, like how much do you think that plays in? And, 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 I, and I guess I mean that also in a positive way, like, you know, um, uh, like a, a kind of like women-owned business or, or a Jewish-owned business or whatever that wants to work with someone who is similar to them. So it's not like a bunch of, you know, whatever middle-aged white guys who dominate the industry, right. like designing, uh, you know, the branding and communications or, or language around a brand that is, you know, whatever. You, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. If, if, there, if there's some kind of identity alignment, do you think that, that do you find that um, clients have shared that with you? I I wouldn't say people have said, we've hired you because you're a women agency or because you're Jewish or whatever. But what people have shared, which I think makes sense, is like people see that we have a different point of view and that's in our work, but also just in our life. Like we live in a very different place with a very different culture and we see things from a very different, through a very different lens or a a different set of lenses. So that different point of view is something people have identified, whether they pick up on that from primarily just seeing our work or reading our newsletters or just, you know, seeing us and see that we look a little different. I think it's maybe a mixture of them. But yeah, I would say the point of view is is what has kind of come up more in conversation, though. You know, it could be that people are secretly checking off diversity boxes with us. I really have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess there's like, you know, that's kind of what I was asking. Like, oh, do you do you ever feel like people are checking off diversity boxes? Or do you feel like people are kind of drawn to you because of your, because of what you represent? But it's because what th- that's kind of what they are also. It's actually, I think, the opposite. <laughs> really? I think the thing that we're more suspicious. Well, hold on. I'll explain that. Like. The thing we're more suspicious of is not the people outside of our bubble weren't wanting to work with us because of diversity boxes. I think it's more of when people inside the community want to work with us because they think it's a good thing to kind of give back to the community. Mm. So and, and then all of a sudden the relationship becomes they are giving to us by working with us and no, like that is just on so many, so many levels. That's not how this works. And that's not how to produce good work. So Mm. we don't, we don't wind up working with too many Jewish clients. That's the truth. Um, Yeah. It's a very connected world that's has its benefits and has its drawbacks. And for us, that space creates a healthier working relationship a lot of the time. I will say not that we don't end up working with a lot of Jewish companies, we don't end up working with a lot of Orthodox Jewish yeah. companies. Right. Because yeah. very often those companies will want to work with us because we are Orthodox Jewish women and all of the ramifications and implications implications of that. And that's not the reason why we want to be worked with. Yeah. Uh, now you're, you're both like from the Midwest in the United States. So there's also this kind of interesting, which you kind of alluded to already, this kind of interesting uh, kind of perspective of like two geographies and, and, and 
maybe that is beneficial also for for working with U.S. clients that you like are American and you you yeah. kind of understand the yeah. culture there, but you have like a critical distance um, and you can kind of maybe analyze uh, what's happening in the U.S., like how they would connect to a customer, what might resonate in a way that that uh, people who are in the U.S. might overlook or not be as sensitive to. Do you think that's accurate or? I mean, I feel like on a personal level, I've been out of the States for 10 years and I see like getting a some distance and perspective on American culture has been so revelatory. Like I just see things so much differently than I did when I was completely in it. Um, no one's ever identified that, but I think that's a really good point because just if I think about everyday things, I see them so differently than I used to. And I would think that would play into what we do as well, work-wise. I've, I just thought about this for the first time right now, but in a way we really created our agency and our core identities as professionals in this and and what we do um, creatively as kind of immigrants and people away from home and people in a place that isn't our own and we sort of crafted Nilo as like that space that is home in a way but it, it's the closest to us that I can I, I feel so often like I'm in a strange land that I'm not familiar with but this thing mm. I own and is mine and and I know, and I like can conquer. Um, right, and it can be as complicated as you are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is like very, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, extremely. Um, yeah, kind of changing subjects, but I, I, you know, maybe I'm just like oblivious to other people using this terminology, which is verbal design. You, you use use verbal design. Um, and as, as kind of a, as kind of the other side of graphic design, um, and you spoke a little bit about it, as in like it's not like copy comes after; it's a really integrated aspect of your work. Um, but I just I'm personally interested in kind of like how you how you like came to that, or or what you think verbal design means more than content strategy and copywriting or whatever. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll start and then maybe you could give the designer's perspective. But my personal background, I originally was like studied literature and creative writing and was going to get my MFA in poetry. Um, I didn't for a number of reasons, like having to do with moving to Israel and getting married. But I think that the term copywriting, even the term copy or content, to me, it really like downgrades the value of writing and cheapens it a little bit. Um, I get that there's, you know, marketing and there's things that are necessary for commerce and so forth. But I've just over the years heard so much rhetoric around this idea of like, give me the copy and like (laughs) write some content. And it just felt so cheap compared to my relationship with words, which was very, I don't know, like all encompassing and craft oriented and personal. And um, I I've started to see a few people or a few instances over the years of more commercial projects utilizing a higher level of writing as a tool um, and realized that that really was the way I wanted to work. 
as opposed to copywriting or content writing, which just feels like a totally different thing. So it's hard to figure out what to call that because mm -hmm. it is copywriting in a way, or like sometimes it's content, but on an agency level, it feels, it doesn't feel like the right term or it never felt like the right term. Um, verbal design, it does sound a little bit like, I don't know, made up or snobby <laughs> sometimes, but I think that's really what it is. It's, I, I don't want to be a, a writer working marketing. I'm a writer working in design. I'm doing a form of design, but I'm using writing as my tool. And I think as an agency, we really want to emphasize that it's not copy. It's not just like copywriting that's thrown in on the page. It's actually designed and crafted in a custom way to really give forth whatever message we're trying to share um, in tandem with the design, not mm -hmm. just that the copy tells a story and the design does its thing is that they can really work together. And this is something we try to kind of show on our side projects as well, side projects as well, is that different mediums can play with each other and play off each other. They don't need to exist in a silo and really harnessing that synergy can like create really interesting and magical things. And that's, mm. that's what we try to do at our work. Yeah. Um, I just, before I go into my tangent, I just want to put this on the record that Margie won't call herself a poet. You'll notice she'll use like every it's other so word. Because in the literary world, I mean, like David, you might be familiar with this, but in the literary world, it's like so embarrassing to like self-publish or like label yourself a poet. Like, I don't know. It just feels awkward to me. But Amuna is, keeps telling me to lean into it. Yes. So Margie is a poet and poets are telling stories with words the same way I tell stories with pictures. And it's the way we like to approach our work is very much before anything, before words or pictures is core creative concept or like the, the conceptual idea that we're running with um, for any given company or brand. And then that can be expressed in so many ways. It can be expressed, the two, obviously the two tools we have at our disposal, you know, at the forefront right now are words and pictures, but that can be other mediums at equal level. Like if, what if we had an entire identity or entire concept expressed through motion or expressed through sound? Like mm. I, we really want to put this idea of all of these various expressive mediums at the same level, at the same table, and then pick and choose what we're using when, depending on what tells the story the best. Yeah. And so, you know, we're leading that obviously with the tools that we have, which are visual design and verbal design or visual identity and verbal identity. But we're going to approach things very, very conceptually and decide from there what tells the best story. One of the first projects we put out um, was for our dialysis company. And it was a very lightweight visual identity. Most of the brand storytelling happened only through the, the, the verbal and the words and the impact that that had on, on the story and its relationship to the customer. And I just feel like approaching projects in that way is so much, there's so much more opportunity and so much more, you know, creativity that we could work with. And like, our whole thing is take full advantage of the possibilities. So in an ideal world in five years from now, I'd like to have take our projects taking full advantage of every single medium that we can mm -hmm. digital motion, 
who knows, maybe we'll like taste something in relationship <laughs> to a brand. Yeah. But it can, it, it should, it should be, it could be everything and it should be everything. Yeah, I, th- I, I think that's really compelling um, the way you two have articulated it because, of course, um, you know, as a copywriter myself <laughs> or, or whatever, uh, right. it's, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you know, you, there's a there's a very there's a very clear hierarchy of like design followed by copy, um, and, um, and I think what the way that you have organized it certainly gives you permission to lead with copy or to ha- or to have a really like d- light design treatment and for the client not to be like confused by the fact that it's or, right. or something so I, I i think that makes a lot of sense um uh i just wanted to end on the future of neolo and you could have both mentioned that you are you are very ambitious um and I want to know, like, what that means, because you also you also don't want to grow your agency in terms of people uh, or correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're you're to some extent. Not hugely, okay. not maybe huge. like yeah. a bit, yeah. but yeah, we want to stay agile. Yeah. Um, so like what does yeah, what does what does ambition mean for you? I think ambition means for us. Create this is going to sound very cliche and who wouldn't say this, but it's really creating the best work possible that's expressed at every touch point for a project. So we'll grow to the extent that we need to grow to accomplish that. Um, mm-hmm. if, if that means we need more talent on our team because we currently can't execute or you know properly apply the brand to certain places that the brand is going to exist, then we need to grow in order to do that. But it's always for the sake of creating the best output and expressing the brand in every possible place and touch point, um, never for the sake of growth or in scaling ourselves and itself. And on the other hand, people will always ask you when you start an agency, like, oh, do you want this to outlive you? And I'm not so sure. I mean, not that I don't want it to outlive me, but on the other hand, this is very much an expression of our love of the craft. And I'm fine with that. Like this is the way we get to express the work that we want to put into the world. Um, And that's a privilege. And I think that's also a beautiful thing to just create that. Yeah. I would also say that I think this agency and our work represents a lot of personal development for us. Um, Even getting to the place where we have the confidence to really own our own voice and just be really authentic with who we are and what we're doing and what we're looking to accomplish. I think even now versus a year ago, we've come so far in that regard. And, you know, it's amazing that it's almost like the more you grow up, the more you're trying to get back to who you were as a child, like to mm. become more aligned with who you really are and not all the things the world's put on you or all the coping mechanisms you've developed. And I think from our agency perspective, like really aligning what we do with what we're passionate about and what we feel like is an expression of the best like possible work that we can do 
it's a labor of love. Like it doesn't always come so simply and um, there's some easy outs. Sometimes we see them come up all the time. Like an easy out will come up and, or what we think is an easy out. And if we chase it, we are usually disappointed and we have to really be honest, radically honest with ourselves to have the confidence to not do that and to really only pursue what's authentic for us. That was producer David Michon speaking to the co-founders of Nahilo, Margie and Amuna. A big thank you for listening and thank you to Sean Crook for editing this episode and to George Grindling for the theme music. To find other episodes, search Private Views wherever you get your podcasts. To find out more about Ask Us for Ideas, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're on social media channels using the handle at Ask Us for Ideas. And finally, please do share and rate this episode and subscribe to Private Views so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. Until next time. Bye.